series four, episode eight of Raw Talent, I am speaking with Erica Horn, founder of Cab for Fashion. Erica and her team teach the most effective steps for computer and iPad-based Photoshop and Illustrator. They offer group sessions and one-to-one sessions with a step-by-step watch, learn and do approach for students, graduates and established designers of all levels. Erica believes iPad Illustrator, launched in 2020, will revolutionise Fashion CAD with its speed, accuracy and ease of use. It makes light work in enabling a designer to create highly professional CADs and illustrations to a professional standard, a skill we see people continually honing throughout their fashion careers. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Raw Talent. It's lovely to see you on this very nice sunny day. Thank you for having me, Fiona. (laughs) My absolute pleasure. So to introduce Erica, Erica runs the award-winning training company CAD for Fashion, upskilling the fashion and textiles industry. Let's set the scene with a glance back over our shoulder. Where did you grow up and what motivated your passion to study fashion at the University of Derby? I grew up in a very small town in Northamptonshire. There were a few villages and lots of council estates. (laughs) Um, And I started with my A-levels after school and like many creative people, didn't enjoy that process very much at all. The one subject that I did really enjoy was textile design. So I did just half of the year. Once I failed psychology, (laughs) (laughs) textile design and I just absolutely loved the process of research design and sort of getting hands-on with making things so I did do my A-levels I did okay but luckily I was still under 19 (laughs) and at the same college they did a uh, fashion and clothing VTEC and I'd always been interested in fashion but I wasn't what you'd call one of these people that's like, oh, I knew I wanted to make clothes from a very early age. And by the end of the two years, we'd made something like 15 garments. We'd made like fully quilted coats with handmade toggles. My final collection, I did a range of five silk outfits with pleats and pagoda sleeves and fell in love with every single part of the process so from the the concept research to the exploring the different techniques pattern cutting I love pattern cutting love making yeah so I went from wanting to do my A levels and do something academic and psychology um, to very quickly fall in love with fashion design and the development side of it Yeah, that's where it all sort of started. Amazing. I do hear quite a few similar stories and it's amazing how many people study psychology and then switch into into a fashion course. I see that a lot actually on people's CVs. When it comes to coursework, I was getting A's, but when it came to sitting down in that exam environment, I was just not one of those people that could perform in that situation. I need time. I need to work through the process to get the best results. So, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are like that. I'm exactly the same. I'm not good under pressure in that moment. I like time to reflect on things and sort of do it having had the chance to reflect. So I completely understand that. Tell us a little bit about your early career as a girlswear designer and freelance product development manager. So whilst I was um, studying at university, we got the opportunity to do a placement year, a diploma in professional practice. And there was a, a 
girls wear supplier locally and I did started with a four-week trial and they asked me to stay on for the year and during that year I was running my own accounts basically I sort of was a complete baptism of fire (laughs) yeah and at a supplier level you are as a designer you are everything you are pattern cutter you are fit (laughs) um you are costings you are sourcing you are relationship managing account managing everything and as someone that loves the whole process that was amazing for me although that always does get to a point where I think burnout can happen especially so when I finished university they hired me and I worked there for nearly five years I think and again worked with people like Monsoon, Next, our product type was those uh, so like prom dresses, party dresses, like the really lovely products made out of Europe. So we got to take a little bit more time and care in the design, the construction and things like that. Um, one of the favourite things I got to work on were the engineered border prints. So people, I think, underestimate what goes into children's wear sometimes. So we needed to make that border print look the same on an age four dress as an age 16 dress. It cost in an arm and a leg. So before I started, it was a case of photocopies at different scales and dummy pattern pieces and lots and lots of maths and sketching out on paper and things like that. And then when I started there with my sort of Photoshop skills and illustrator skills, I was able to help them do that digitally. Amazing. Imagine saved a lot of time and it was a lot more accurate as well. And it also meant that we could actually send the final file for the width that we designed that had the two borders, the placement and another border, if that makes sense, to try to fit all sizes. That made me realise that I'm a problem solver and I enjoy that aspect of things, which I think is why I love fashion's a big puzzle, isn't it? Clothing's a big puzzle. How oh, very much so. I mean, it's fraught with a million obstacles and things that go wrong because there are so many components, so many elements, so many people, so many different parties involved. And yeah. yeah. It can be a really exciting place to design in that space where you have restrictions as well. Because I find if I'm allowed to do anything, it's difficult for me. But if you give me some restrictions to work with and be resourceful and sort of maximize what we can do with those restrictions that's what sort of really gets me going so that leads me on to working as a product development manager so I worked for an amazing company in um, Kimberley called the production lab and we worked with startup brands and yeah that's brought with restrictions and I was the dream killer In what way were you the dream killer? I was product development and coming from a background where I managed production, saw how many things go wrong, how many sort of risks there are. I also had a lot of the responsibility of fabric testing and things like that. Right, yeah. So again, a startup brand comes with an idea of a, a red hemline on a white top and things, just those sort of things I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they don't realise the practicalities of how that comes together or not. <laughs> but then at the same time, 
I would be there with the creative ideas to work around it so that they're still happy with the final results. And there we did things like from like high-end menswear to dog coats. Fit meeting with two lively Bizzler dogs. (laughs) That was an experience. That's different. Yeah, that's very different. Yeah, but again, it was a it was a problem to solve and a a puzzle to put together. So yeah, really enjoyed that experience. And the guys that I got to work with as well, we're all a team of like freelancers. It was almost like our little dream team. We all knew each other, worked together in different sort of guises. And but then we're all working as freelancers, sort of, and then collaborating to help these brands start up. So yeah, it was lovely. Really enjoyed Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Sounds really great. Are any of those startups still going? Yes, strict confidentiality <laughs> agreements signed across the board as usual. And also as a freelancer, I've worked for some amazing names. So a very well-known digital punk rock band. I designed their whole range. They never launched it. Oh, signed wow. Documents. Like there's some really exciting stuff that I've worked on that, yeah, you know what it's like. Um, I do, I do, Absolutely. And And lots of fun products and lots of different products. Exactly, exactly. If you follow the production lab on Instagram, you might see some of the projects we've worked on before. We worked on um, a celebrity-backed children's wear label as well. I was sort of, I managed that project. Yeah, that was really, really, really fun as well. And I got to do a lot of travelling with that job, but not the type of travelling you have to do when you work in a big retail team. It was just me going to meet some factories that I that I'd made a relationship with, meeting a couple of clients. At that time, I had a three-year-old. So having to travel to Portugal for three days on my own and sleep on my own in a hotel was fantastic. Bliss, I can imagine. So yeah, lots of highlights from that time. Amazing. Really, really lovely. And then in 2015, you became a specialist trainer in Photoshop and Illustrator for fashion, for the fashion and textiles industry. What led you to embark on this path? So whilst I was at university, we did a couple of sessions on Illustrator and Photoshop. I really enjoyed it. Some of my friends, not so much. And I kind of like was the go-to person for help when it came to, oh, can you help me with this? And even in my first year, I was paid by a couple of final years to put together their tech packs. That's hilarious. You did get teamed up with a first year who would help you with that sort of thing. So it was like an assistant job experience role, but some of them didn't have first years that could do that. So I was, yeah, I was there for So in 2015 was actually when I had my daughter. So it was when I decided not to go back to my full-time role as a children's wear designer. I'd always had a few things going off at the same time. So I'd actually been teaching at Coventry on my holidays. (laughs) So I'd take holiday from my job to do some teaching. Um, And I'd actually started teaching professionals who I didn't know in my dining room at the evenings in the evenings and the weekend because of referrals from people who said Erica can help oh Erica can help so when I decided not to go back to my full-time job I thought I'd give it a go properly and by the end of 2016 I had companies sending people to my dining room to eat like cheese and ham sandwiches with (laughs) (laughs) buffet at the end 
You know what I mean? So uh, funny. at that point that I realized, okay, I need to take this a bit more seriously. There's obviously the demand there. So there's a local company who specialize. In fact, I can say so Crystal Martin International. Yes. Those guys sent quite a few people to me and another company who actually do like motorsports garments. Yes. Yeah, that's well known. Yeah. So those guys came to my dining room. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, and I also trained for a software training company as well at that time, which was a really good experience for me. I kind of don't like being thrown in the deep end until afterwards. I appreciate being thrown in at the deep end, basically, because the amount you learn in such a small space of time, you can't generate those sort of results yourself, <laughs> basically. No, because you're running on adrenaline because you it's the fear of failure that just propels you forward. And you surprise yourself with what you're capable of, which always always it's so true I always try and put myself into those positions put myself forward for those things as much as I can that I can understand that that's uh yeah it's a good thing to do so you're currently lecturing on the BA fashion and promotion course at Birmingham in CAD for fashion at the University of Derby you're doing design at Sheffield Hallam you're at uh, doing BA knitwear at Nottingham Trent. I mean, I can just keep going here. You're, yeah. I think you've got a gig at the University of Gloucester, which yeah. is, is quite a collection. Yeah, I am. I'm racking up this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm standing here thinking, how does she find the time? It is crazy. And I, I rationalise it by saying, well, they're only just like a couple of hours or like maybe it's like 12 hours for this course, six hours for this course. 15 hours for this course, but they all happen at the same time of the year. So everyone has that. So uni is just two big sort of modules, isn't it? So yeah, this is the midst of my crazy time at the moment. And just remembering the passwords for all of their complicated online learning portals and things is hard enough. But yeah, I think after my first visiting lecturing job, well, actually it all stems back to being nice to my lecturers so all of the lecturers that I had at the University of Derby either they've stayed there or they've moved on to be like head of fashion at BCU uh, senior lecturer at um, Sheffield um, those guys called on me or gave me the opportunity to do a bit of visiting lecturing when they needed help I jumped at the chance again sometimes in areas where I thought am I confident enough to do this actually yes I'm going to be able to the students are going to benefit from a conversation with somebody that's been through it all so let's go for it I think the reason that I've become somebody that people call on for this sort of thing is because I have that industry background as well as knowing the software so a lot of universities it's very separate They have their design modules. They're expected to produce technical drawings or illustrations or mood boards. Then they have some really strict regimented CAD sessions with an IT person or a technician or a graphic design lecturer, which is just circle, square, render. Yeah, so it's not been personalised to the needs of fashion design, which is always the problem. Absolutely. So I can sort of join up the dots And I think my teaching style, I've had a lot of comments on it this year, actually, especially with how challenging it was last year with it being online. The students really sort of engaged in my sessions. I think it's because I had a comment this week, actually, from a student, which was really lovely. I make a difficult skill seem easy. 
because a lot of the time with this technology, there's a lot of fear that's built up. It's very difficult to get your head around. Sometimes if it's explained in a certain way, it can be come across as super confusing. I'm simply, well, if we click this here and we do this, it will look like this. And also one of my favorite quotes is, if the why is clear, then the how is easy. So I always explain why we do it before we do it so that they understand exactly why I'm putting through them this stress of learning a new software at this stage. So I love that quote. That's a really good one. Absolutely. Because I think understanding the methodology behind something helps to embed the learning. Yeah. Um, so it's about motivating them at this stage as well. It's yeah. making them want to learn it. So I'm always conscious of how, because I'm the same, attention spans have just got less and less with generations, haven't they? You have to capture their attention straight away. You have to motivate them to want to learn from you as a person, but also to want to get to that end point. So knowing why that's important and why it's appealing is one of the things that I try and embed all the way along. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think explaining it as you go along is great. And, you know, what have been the highlights? How would you like to inspire the next generation? I think I like to get them to overcome the barriers of the software so that they can be creative and not think about that software. That software is just a tool that they have. And it's a really powerful tool when it's used used well and understood. And I think I teach so many people that are at a certain age where they haven't used it as much and they've built up all of this fear and this sort of presumptions. And it seems like this really hard, unattainable thing that I can teach them the same thing as a student that has no preconceptions and the student will get it quicker because that fear barrier. Yeah, because their minds are open and they don't, they're just open. They haven't got an agenda. They're not thinking about anything. They're just open to learn. Um, Having said that, the guys, so a lot of our students, our learners are like senior designers, super skilled at what they do, been in the industry for years. And a couple of one-to-one sessions with us, they can pick it up. And part of what we do is keeping it relevant, bite-size, and also a lot of reassurance and sort of support within the learning along the way. Very important. That's really good. Really good. And it's really nice for people to, I often have conversations with people who, you know, wonder about how they can um, improve their CAD skills. And, you know, ordinarily I would send them off to do a course at mm-hmm. LCF or there used to be a course at St. Martin's and I'd get them to go and do that. So to have you is amazing because yeah, is something people can can do quite easily. And if they can be completely open-minded, pretend they don't know anything about it exactly. and just come at it completely fresh, yeah. they'll probably surprise themselves. Yeah, a lot of them do. A lot of them come away from that first session, a huge weight lifted from their, their shoulders, huge sigh of relief. Some of them still need a little bit more time to, to let that sort of barrier down. But yeah, we usually get there with them. Um, and it's so, so rewarding when we manage to sort of take someone from no digital skills so they even struggle to do an email to being able to complete a technical pack in Illustrator. Brilliant that's so amazing. So Cap for Fashion was established in 2018. What actually inspired you to start your own business and sort of make that leap? So as I said I was we were doing tuition and and cheese and ham sandwiches in the dining room. <laughs> and you just thought, right, I'm going to actually make this into a business. Yeah, 
I've been really fortunate and I will say I've actively sought this out as well to get some business advisors. There's so many schemes up and down the country for startup businesses, for entrepreneurs, for anyone that works themselves to get business support. Um, and I'm a lifelong learner. I want to learn everything possible. So I did a like an elevator workshop series to really establish what my business was and where I wanted it to go. And the next step was a studio to teach from. So that's where the CAD Fashion launched officially in 2018. And we had a great two years, taught lots of design teams, lots of individuals. We had some really great like networking events as well, which I don't think happens enough in the fashion industry. Agreed. Yeah. And we had education and industry together as well, which doesn't happen enough either. No, it doesn't. There's too much of a gap. I definitely see that. Yeah, it was it was an amazing time. And then when the pandemic hit, I was five months pregnant on some like immunosuppressant medication, didn't know what was going on. So we closed the physical studio um, until we knew what was happening. But then we made, made the move to teach online. And this has enabled us to teach designers in California, New York, Italy, Kenya, Nigeria, which has been amazing. It's kind of a very happy not an accident, but yeah, we were forced into happy, a happy change of circumstances that you could never have imagined, but it's actually been fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. And for our learners as well. So the sessions are now recorded to a lot of learners' delight. So no more reading through your notes and trying to figure out what you meant by that screen. Yeah. People can just keep, can just press replay, which is really helpful when you're learning something. You often need to go back and listen several times. So yeah, that's fantastic. I bet people love that. And tell me why it's award-winning. So there is a a local community for digital and creative people and they run an awards every year. I applied for the startup awards. I was up against some really like swanky media agencies, (laughs) Um, um, some really established businesses. So it was a real surprise when the announcer, the the judge was Michael Whedon, who was head of uh, retail high street, the chair of that for the Federation of Small Businesses. And as he read out his speech on who they chose and why, yeah, it was a, a real highlight moment for me to get some recognition of what my business does because in in the business community say the word fashion and people just sort of eyes glaze over or they comment they just on. think of models don't they I get all the time people say to me oh models and I'm like nothing to do with modeling <laughs> or they go oh don't, <laughs> don't realize there's a, yeah they don't realize that there's like a whole industry behind fashion and what that entails no. so yeah that's amazing yeah. yeah so to get that recognition for my when business was that? what year just right at the end of 2020 so it was this time last year actually but the award was for 2020 but it got delayed yeah it was lovely it was really nice to end a really really strange year with with such a high and like I said the recognition of what I was doing for our industry I had the right judge as well I think who understood that sector which makes all the difference, doesn't it? It's like anything, anybody judging anything, if they have, they need to have the breadth and depth of knowledge Absolutely. to be able to make a fair assessment. Yeah. 
And he actually contacted me afterwards as well to say, yeah, what a great business I had. And I hope I was going to explore the international aspects. And I was like, well, by accident, I am now. (laughs) Fantastic. That's so great. Wow. And you've shared a little bit of feedback from people that have taken the courses since you've been working internationally in lots of different countries. What's been the international feedback? It's finding, so they're happy to have found us a lot of the time. There are a lot of people out there that do YouTube tutorials that that give general information that maybe have like a social media account that just sort of talk to the masses. And a lot of the time that's not enough. It's not specialist enough. It's not niche enough. There's so many niche subsets of product uh, level of industry um, that there are so many things that have to be considered and tailored towards that. So the fact that we are here for you to talk to one-on-one and even our group courses, like maximum six people we have on our group courses. Also, we've started to do a series of uh, skills updates, which are in the evenings, just hour long. They're recorded. So if you can't be there live, you can still access the information. And uh, the international, that's been really popular with the international crowd because it's apparently a very good time for them in America. (laughs) Yeah, Um, because it would be their afternoon. So I can imagine they like that. Yeah, that's a brilliant thing to do, like bite size. Most people can squeeze an hour in somewhere. Fantastic. Generally, the feedback is usually about our lovely tutors. So it's myself and we've got two other tutors. It's about how friendly they are, how patient, how supportive they are and how we inspire confidence in them to design basically. So we try not to focus on the software as much as getting you used to the tool so that you can design and be a designer. That's lovely. That's so great. And I think that's what people always need is support and encouragement. I get lots of feedback about that. It's my way I work, my my individual way of working is very much about you can talk at people forever and it can't, it sometimes it just won't have any impact unless you listen to them and what they need exactly exactly 100% 100% is so true so you also work in house brands who are your clients and how have you been able to benefit their design teams so we've had a really wide range and sometimes it's even surprised me at the range of clients. So, for example, right at the beginning, we worked with um, Motor Direct, which is the motorsport company. Um, their product is really specific. It has so a huge amount of panels. There has to be a huge amount of graphics. There's a huge amount of customization that needs to happen. There's lots of textures. There's like corrugation, mesh all of this happening. So to draw something like that from scratch, a lot of people, it would take them ages. And then because it's so complex, it's really difficult to edit. So they end up drawing it again or battling with it with it for hours um, to create some more design development. So we took a look at that product and developed a process for them to use from start to finish that meant they could very quickly draw up the design. But also, most importantly, they were able to generate... 10 more design ideas within a couple of minutes so it's about using some of the tools that we're not shown as fashion designers for relevant things so we might be shown certain tools to like spread color across a page or create a graphic object or things like that but actually if we take those tools and apply them to things we need them for 
they can save a huge amount of time. We did, we worked with a, um, a knitwear design sourcing company as well, and they needed to illustrate their knitted products. So like hats and things like that. They needed to get the illustration so accurate that when in like four months time, they finally get a sample from China, the buyers aren't going to be shocked by the fact the scale of the knit's completely different or the amount of cables is different or yeah. So we needed to make sure that the, the gauge was right for the illustration. So we helped them again, come up with a couple of methods. We also had to sort of consider the performance of their computers as well. So some methods crashed your computer with illustrators. If you've used it, you know this very well. So it's about working around some of those problems and coming up with different solutions that ultimately make it as easy as possible to edit and reuse because that is the whole point of us using Illustrator. And I think that gets lost a lot of the time. People think it's just for technical drawings, but using it for design and range planning and range building, if your designs are attractive, accurate, you can use them for sales. You can use them with the wider team. So marketing can see exactly what the range is going to be looking like and start making their plans. Um, The team can sign off on ranges digitally before they action any samples and you don't get any of those nasty surprises. So for example, a socks company, they were sending artwork, so print artwork off to factory in China getting some flamingo socks back that look nothing like a flamingo anymore because they've been reduced down to stitches. And that that process takes so long and it's money. Being able to design the pixel knit on the correct gauge in Photoshop beforehand means that everybody knows what they're going to get at the end and you you can make those changes before that first sample. That's brilliant. It's time, it's money. It just means that your efficiency levels go through the roof. Design teams generally have such varying skill levels. People are all self-taught. People are all using different methods to do things in the office, which means then you can't use so-and-so's files because you don't know how she's grouped them or so-and-so's files are always worked in a different way, so I can't edit them. So it's making sure that everybody works in that uniform way. There's no issue if staff leave. There's Mm. no issue if you have to jump on somebody else's work because they're away. And it just creates some sort of unity within the team as well. Yeah, what a dream to be able to just sort of link everything, bring it all together. Gosh, yeah, if you're running a design, if you're running a fashion design business with a design team, this is such a great thing to invest in. And a lot of people just think, well, they know how to use the software. And they don't really, it's not always easy to realise where the pitfalls are or, or to even know that you could be doing things in a much more efficient way. Yeah. So yeah, and it, it makes perfect sense. And it's funny that you talk about computer speed because I've been thinking, you know, we're we're so app heavy these days. Um, I've actually been thinking I'm gonna upgrade my Mac because they just it's like, I don't know, 12 years old, they get to a point, don't they, where you're kind of like, oh, this is so slow now. Definitely, definitely. So um we're suddenly noticing a big change. Yeah, I think we've got away with it for quite a long time. And I'm not even using Illustrator. So I hate to think what it's like. I know a lot of people use older Macs. I hate to think what it's like when you're using an older Mac with the way things have changed. With every software update. So Adobe have just done a big software update where they sort of, you have to 
uninstall the previous version and actually reinstall Adobe 2020. And they use a lot of like AI. So Adobe Sensei is what they use. And all you need to know is that it eats up a lot of your space on your computer if you want to use some of those settings. Wow. Um, So the way I word it is Photoshop needs loads of extra space to think about things whilst you're using it. So if your computer is jam-packed, you've got no chance, basically. So interesting. Interesting. Well, that's a good tip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does Illustrator need loads of time, loads of space to think as well, or not so much? Not so much. It depends whether you're trying to use some of like the really fancy effects and whether so if you're one of these people that has like 20 artboards in one document, don't do too many because yeah, Illustrator won't like it unless you've got an amazing computer. But yeah, so you kind of need an all singing or dancing computer with like plenty of memory. Yeah. Capacity. Okay. That makes sense. And as part of your CAD program, does this include fashion illustrations as well as CADs and prints and graphics? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to think of myself as an illustrator, maybe as a hobbyist illustrator, but as part of my BTEC and fashion clothing, we worked heavily on illustration um, to the point where you'd use a whole layout pad on one pose sort of thing. So I remember those days. So yeah, we can help with hand-drawn illustration, um, techniques too. So if you don't feel you're a very strong drawer, there are techniques to make your work look more presentable without having to go back and learn how to do life drawing and things like that. Oh, um, life drawing classes, honestly, I can tell you some funny stories about those. <laughs> Oh, it was a shock when we did them at, at college. Actually. It was a real shock and nothing can really prepare you for that yeah, or prepare you for the choice of models. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Because yeah, if I said They have to be interesting, models, don't they? They have to be but like, well, yeah, and um, form. <laughs> well, yeah. Not really sure where they were going at, with it at Epsom at the time I was there. <laughs> Let's just say it would be very difficult to describe that it on a podcast where we we want to keep things very clean um let's just say that um yeah it was a very interesting choice of subject that no one really understood yeah I don't know whether it was particularly helpful (laughs) we can also help with digital illustration as well so if you use procreate or if you use adobe fresco or you want to start using those and you have no idea um, we can show you how they work and how you can start to incorporate that into there's some amazing things you can do on digital drawing apps now and it is like drawing with a pencil you just need to know what settings to, to tick first oh that's good that's a good a nice piece of information for people that are thinking actually I'd really like to improve my illustrations but I don't really know how to approach it You can even use Illustrator on the iPad as well. So instead of like if you've struggled to use the pen tool before and click and click and drag and things like that, with Illustrator on the iPad, you're using the pencil and you are are drawing your shape and it is a vector object. So I now draw all of my technical drawings, my CADs on the iPad because I just love it so much. Yeah, well, I've seen you do that and it's so clever. And (laughs) yeah, when you know how to sort of, you know, smooth your lines out and have everything ping into place where you want it. to it, definitely. Yeah, it's so clever. And yeah, if I were designing still, I'd want to be doing that because it's brilliant and it's so easy. It feels a lot more natural than it does sitting at a desk with a mouse or a trackpad. 
Yeah, totally, totally. And as we've talked about before, Chloe is set to revolutionise fashion as digital technology evolves at pace to offer ever greater efficiency across our industry. What are your thoughts on how that's going to impact things? So I think all of the 3D, so Chloe is kind of the most well-known at the moment, but like Browsewear, Optitex, Vetograph have all had this 3D software for a while. The quality of it, so the quality of the animation is what's made it so important right now. So we're finally getting a realistic cloth appearance, which is what has been missing in years before. For development for uh, sustainability for the process it's amazing I think it's going to do a lot to change the structure of companies that are using the software so designers are going to need to be slightly different I think going forward I also think that people kind of underestimate what goes into learning and using that type of software as well it's like when Illustrator and Photoshop came, people think, oh, the computer does it. The computer doesn't do it. <laughs> you still need to. So with Chloe, you still need a, a 2D pattern. You then need to tell it where to sew together, where to stitch together. Then you get your 3D model. It's not a case of like the Sims picking your shape and <laughs> do you know what I mean? There are actually some really cool software out there, actually. I'll share it with you, Fiona, but I can't remember off the top of my head. It's an accessible 3D library of shapes where you can pick your shape, you can pick your fabric, you can pick your colours and things like that. But Chloe isn't that. So it's still highly technical. It's still integrated with that pattern cutting process. So that still means you are not going to pattern cut every design idea you have in order to see it on Chloe. 3D. So that initial stage of generating your design development ideas is still going to be part of, of what we do as designers, whether that's by hand or whether that's on CAD. I'm excited to learn it. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I know I've, I have a few clients that are uh, embedding Clo at the moment. And I think the pandemic has also pushed that process forward. It's going to save it on sampling massively. And like, like with when you're drawing in 2D, it's that accuracy and the actual realistic representation that allows you to make more decisions reliably and also just allows better communication across the team. Totally, totally. It's, it's certainly the future of sampling and fashion design. It's going to change everything and it will keep evolving and it will evolve evolve enough to be able to accommodate yeah. all the intricacies, I think, within the industry. Yeah. Um, so whether you're a high street brand or whether you're a fast fashion brand or a luxury brand, yeah. it will be able to accommodate all the complexities yeah. involved in different and, products. And Optitex actually have a plug-in for Adobe Illustrator as well. So if you're designing your print and graphics in Illustrator, you can place them onto your 3D avatar. Um, so I've seen an example with a sportswear company. So you can work on the prints whilst it updates on the avatar, which is really, really, really exciting. That's fantastic. That is exciting. Wow. Yeah, that will appeal to people. And I bet lots of people don't realise that's out there. Amazing. So tell me what your goals are for, for 2022 for Cad for Fashion. What's next? We are extremely excited to start teaching in person again. <laughs> um, so although 
online works amazingly for like our one-to-one tuition and our big events like the skills update where like people from around the world just come and, and listen but when it comes to a group course we did lots of surveys on this and this is still like 60 40 split with in-person hands-on help being their main main takeaway main important thing and a recording of the session being important so I think the novelty of having that recording is slightly wearing off too <laughs> because initially it was so great but then the reality of sifting through an hour's worth or two hours worth of content to try and find the bit you needed and wishing oh I did do wish I'd made some notes now so that I didn't have to go back to the video every time so I think the future of capital fashion is a balance between that online accessible help um, and then in-person courses. So the, we're going to do some in-person courses, which are sort of like learn to create um, garment flats, learn to create the peak patterns. But we're really excited to be working with a couple of sort of specialists in their field. So previously we worked with Jess Priest, who is a painted floral artist, a textile artist. So her designs have been sold all over the world um, and she came in in the morning to teach you how to to paint with watercolors and then we took those designs into the computer room in the afternoon and learned how to work with them in photoshop and turn them into a repeat that was ready to be printed industry standard so we're going to do more of those workshops um, and we've got some exciting people lined up for that can you take can you reveal any names at this stage they're not 100 percent um (laughs) yes we've got loads of plans for next year um we've got lots of skills updates coming up yeah in person and importantly where are you going to be teaching where's the location nottingham so it's easily accessible yeah by rail m1 we've actually had surprisingly i thought we would be like the hub outside of london for these courses people traveling from manchester birmingham we had two regular clients that would come up from london so we had a designer at the white company she came up for one of the jess priest workshops and yeah so they'd done courses in london before not found them as helpful as they hoped found us online and then they became loyal customers amazing is there a thought to scheduling any work any workshops in london is that a possibility I see I've thought about doing a pop-up in London so now we've got more of a following so this early days I was really really considering this but now we've got a bit more of a following I think that'd be really exciting because I've been approached by a couple of brands in London as well and sometimes what puts them off is like paying for the travel for me to come down and to work with them or for them to come up and work with us but they're still really keen to do it and they'd rather have it in person so I'm thinking that one of the designers we're thinking of working with has done regular pop-ups in in London so maybe collaborating first off and then seeing if there is that demand for some of our, our sort of specialist courses in London. Yeah well. I'm sure I can um, put send plenty of people your way and it's so easy to rent a meeting room in a WeWork or something like that so fantastic. Well that brings us to my final question which is this If you could hire any three people in the world to lend their expertise to your business, who would you choose and why? So I've been thinking long and hard about this one. And 
although there are people that I admire in industry, I think working with, and this is me and my practical head, I can't fantasize about things. I have to be practical. And I have some very, very talented friends um, who own their own businesses. We all specialize in different areas. And one day we would love to form that dream team on a product project. So one of my friends is a really talented designer in branding. She's also sort of worked on some really amazing like management projects. Um, she works on the board at quite a well-known agency at the moment. And then my friend Fazana, who runs a production lab, her business management skills are insane. It's one of the skills that I don't have. So I think together we could make a pretty impressive team. And yeah, we're great friends. We've, we've worked together in different ways. So Alex has run a branding workshop for us before. Uh, I've worked for Fazana. I also work for Alex sometimes. So yeah, so I think those two. And then with that third spot, I would probably go with one of my friends who is a designer, who is one of those people that you can say one word and they can come up with something, some amazing elaborate story concept, you know, those real creative thinkers and get them on board to add that element to the courses that we do as well. We don't want to just be software people. We're designers deep down. We use the software and we want to help you, inspire you to use the software to be as creative as you can be. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. It's so Inspiring. And I really hope our community find this really interesting. I will be sending this out to all the designers. So anybody that thinks they might need some or be interested in upskilling or learning what you do, um, you may get a few knocks on the door, hopefully. So I really appreciate it, Fiona. Thank you so much. Thank you for being my guest today. If you enjoyed this episode, Join me next time when I will be speaking with another inspiring guest. And if you are enjoying the series, hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on upcoming episodes where you'll get to hear firsthand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries. Mm -hmm.